The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Thank you.
Good morning. My name is Rafaela Shanahan and I'm a member of this congregation. On behalf of Reverend Dave Dunn, Director of Religious Education and Membership Coordinator Ayana Kafi, our Music Director Alex Peach and my fellow worship associates and the technical team that is making today's Zoom possible, I would like to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, which we lovingly call UMAN. UMAN is a liberal faith community with the mission to nurture our spirit, strive for justice, and transform the world. No matter who you are, who you love, or where you are on your spiritual journey, all are welcome here. So could everybody please select speaker mode in the view menu and remember to remain muted unless you are invited to speak. Now off to Reverend Dave for an announcement. Thank you, Rafaela. Um, and good morning, everyone. Uh, for the past few uh, winters, um, my daughter has organized and passed out uh, care packages in Atlanta. She's done this in uh, the Edgewood section of Atlanta. She's done this around Christmas time. She's now since moved to Durham, North Carolina, yet she's still going to organize and pass out these care packages to people uh, in need, people living on the streets uh, between Christmas and New Year's of this year. So she would like to ask if we could donate some items to fill these care packages. The care packages are reusable um, grocery bags. So what she's looking for this year are blankets, hats, gloves, chapsticks, lotions, single wrapped uh, food items, granola bars, things like that. Uh, and I will have a box up here for the Sundays in December where you can put these uh, items that you can, if you'd like to donate to this um, great initiative that she has been doing for, well, this will be the third year. So again, I'll send an email out about it as well, um, but we, she would appreciate anything that is donated. So thank you. Uh, now uh, Ayana will have a membership announcement. Good morning. I'm Ayana Kafi. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the membership coordinator. If you're new today, we'd love to have the opportunity to personally welcome you. Take a moment to visit the website at human.org. There, right there on the homepage, you'll find our online visitor form. After filling it out, one of the awesome members of the membership committee will contact you. For more ways to connect, join us at Coffee and Conversation or Adult Religious Education right after service. You can also email us at membership at human.org. 
We'd love to answer any questions that you have about human, as well as connect you with community members with shared interests. Good morning again. Before here was here, before there was a name to the name, before there was a we and an us, there was something we now call land, sky, water, wind, river. But now we are here. Now here we are gathered. Here we love our loved ones and live our lives. Many of us have been here for only a short while. Many were born here. Their ancestors came here from distant places and distant lands. Some came here eager and willing in pursuit of a dream. Some came here out of desperation, starving in their native lands. Some came here unwillingly in chains in the hulls of ships and some left here unwillingly on a trail of tears. Yet before all others came here, there were already people here, loving their loved ones and living their lives. And it was these indigenous people who first called here, here. It was these indigenous people who first gave name to the unnamed. And now let us light our chalice together. This morning's chalice lighting was written by Naomi King. As we nurture this precious light together, we become a light of hope turning isolation into joy. Nurture this precious light. Stewardship is defined by being responsible for staying in relationship, supervising, or taking care of something. We can be stewards of our relationships with our family members. We can be stewards of this congregation. We can also be stewards of this land. Many, many years ago, before folks came to settle and induce, introduce the concept of ownership to this land, the people here were in deep relationship with the earth. They were in the practice of listening to the earth. This resulted in farming and harvesting practices that worked with the land and the seasons and the climate. They developed practices around controlling wildfires. They saw it as their duty to be stewards of this land that provided them with so much. 
generations later, those same indigenous folks have created the land back movement. They are demanding not ownership of, but the right to care for this land again. Stewardship. Essentially, they're dreaming of a future where we exist without the strict concept of mine. This is such a radical and thought-provoking vision. What small way can you practice the same spirit of unsettling? Can you release ownership over your favorite mug? Can you find an earth-centered, grace-filled way to stop your neighbor's tree from growing over your beautiful fence? Can you find a way today to quiet an initial reaction and ask yourself, what is the most value-centered option available? I think I will be attempting the same, and I suspect that we all might learn or unlearn something interesting. time in the service when the love that binds us together is spoken aloud. If you have a joy or a sorrow that you would like to share this morning, please unmute yourself, speak your joy or sorrow, and mute yourself when you are finished.
I'll drop a pebble for all those joys and sorrows still too tender to escape the folds of our hearts. Let us keep one another in our thoughts for the coming week. Hi everyone. I'm Donna Melcher and this is John Pruitt. And John and I were traveled this fall up to upstate New York to see the colors and learn about the native people there. Uh, which means that we learned about the Confederacy of the Haudenosaunee, or as, as a lot of people would call them, the Iroquois. And it has six nations, uh, including the Mohawk, the Cayuga, the Onondaga, the Oneida, the Seneca, and the Tuscarora. Uh, the story that I'm going to tell today is a little bit of history. It's about this native Confederacy and the early Dutch settlers and what is called the two wampum belts, which looks like this. It's a white background with two parallel purple lines on it. You can see the design here or in these, in these earrings. So some of you may have heard of wampum. Uh, in popular culture, wampum has come to be equated with money. And even though these beautiful uh, precious purple and white shells that wampum belts were made out of, even though they were used for trade, uh, they were often woven together into belts and, and those were used to commemorate events and agreements. So in 1613, the Mohawk people noticed that there were, there were white people coming onto their territory unannounced. And these visitors had begun to cut trees and clear land for their homes and farms. And they had entered the lands of the Haudenosaunee and were occupying what the Haudenosaunee called their empty rooms. Um, the newcomers dressed oddly, uh, according to the, the customs there and had hair on their faces and used pots and pans and had their families with them. And of course they needed a place to live. So the Mohawks sent a runner to the Onondaga people to convene a meeting of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. And at the meeting, it was discussed that a delegation needed to go to the um, people to determine their intentions. And it was difficult for the delegation because it was a different language they hadn't heard before. And it took a lot of time and a lot of patience for the two peoples to begin to communicate. So after many discussions, it was determined that the Haudenosaunee and the Europeans must have a way to greet one another. And um, the settlers with their large sailed boat thought that they should be called the father and the Haudenosaunee the son. And the Haudenosaunee said that this would not do, that we shall address each other as brothers so that this, this will show that we're equal to each other. And as the Haudenosaunee and Dutch discovered much about each other, an agreement was made as to how they were to treat each other and how to live together. And they agreed on three principles to make this treaty last. The first was friendship the Haudenosaunee and their white brothers will be friends and live in friendship. The second is peace, and there'll be peace between these two peoples. 
And the third is forever, that these agreements will last forever. These principles will last forever. Now the Dutch recorded this agreement on paper with three silver chains. So iron chains wouldn't do because that would rust and it would not be forever. Silver, on the other hand, could be polished and renewed uh, every time the brothers met. Now, the Haudenosaunee and Dutch agreed to call this the Silver Covenant Chain of Friendship. The Haudenosaunee explained to the Dutch that they did not use paper to record their agreements and their history. They would make a belt made of white and purple wampum shells, and the belt has two purple rows. One row denotes the Haudenosaunee uh, way of life, laws and people, and their canoe going along the river. And the second is the Dutch with their sailing ships and their ways and religions and people in it. And the boats will travel side by side down the river of life. And each nation will respect the ways of the other and not try to steer the other's vessel. So that agreement was kept in force for a long, long time. And even though the Dutch were supplanted by other European settlers who did not honor this agreement, the Haudenosaunee still see the two row wampum as a living treaty, a way that they have established for their people to live together with their white brothers in peace. And that each nation will live in sovereignty and discuss solutions to issues that come before them. The Haudenosaunee also live by what is known as the great law of peace. And this is one of the earliest examples of a formal democratic governance structure. And it was, it, it informed our founding fathers. It is also a matrilineal society where great power is held by the women of the nation. And it is documented that early suffragists drew heavily from this knowledge of these men and women living in equanimity. So today, we'd like to say thank you to the Haudenosaunee people. That is the story of the two row wampum. This sacred ground we walk upon with every step we take. This sacred ground we walk upon with every step we take. Hey, Thanksgiving is a complicated holiday for Native Americans. Many choose to reject the holiday as it commemorates invasion, theft, and genocide. Since 1970, the United American Indians of New England have held a national day of mourning on Thanksgiving Day. Each year on Thanksgiving, they march through the streets of Plymouth, Plymouth Massachusetts, 
Yet other Native Americans choose to celebrate the spirit of Thanksgiving, knowing that as part of their traditions, they annually, annually celebrated the fruits of their autumn harvests long before the first settlers ever arrived. Connection with Mother Earth and gratitude for her bounty is woven into the very fabric of their existence. Native Americans were storytellers and today we will share some of their stories. This story is from the Nisqually people of the Pacific Northwest. When the world was young, the creator gave everyone all that was needed to be happy. There was good weather, plenty of food, land. They had everything they needed. Yet two brothers began to quarrel over who should control all of this. Each brother had his own set of friends and soon they were almost like two different tribes and there was the threat of war between them. The creator was not happy when the two brothers fell asleep. He picked up the two brothers and transported them to a new land, a new country. There was a great river flowing through the land. And when the two brothers woke up, the creator said to the older brother, shoot your arrow and where that arrow lands, that will be the land where you will live. The older brother shot his arrow and it flew over to the north side of the river. The creator then said to the younger brother, shoot your arrow and where your arrow lands is where you shall live. The younger brother shot his arrow and it flew to the south side of the river. And the creator made a stone bridge over the river that connected the north side and the south side. And the creator said, as long as you remain at peace, as long as your hearts are good, this bridge will stand. And for many, many years, the brothers and their descendants lived in peace and people freely cross, cross the river back and forth. But eventually, one day, some of the members of those in the northern lands looked to the south and said, you know, their land is better. And on that same day, many on the south side looked northward and said, you know, their land is better. And they began to quarrel with one another once again. The creator became angry and he decided to take their fire away so that they lived in darkness. And then he brought the autumn rains where it rained day after day after day. And the people had no fire to keep warm. Only one person, one person had fire. She was an old woman named Lou Witt who stayed out of all this quarreling. Only the creator allowed her 
to have fire. But over time, the people became miserable. They prayed for fire. And the creator then asked Lou Witt if she would be willing to share her fire with everyone. She was the only one who had it. The creator said that he would give her whatever she wished if she would share her fire. Her wish, she was an old woman, and her wish was to become young and beautiful again. The creator granted her her wish. She took her fire to the center of the bridge, and all the people came and took their fire and took it back to their homes. The skies cleared, the rain stopped. People were happy once again. But then one day, the chief of the north saw the beautiful Lou Witt on the bridge and said that he wanted her to be his wife. And on that same day, the chief of the south saw the beautiful Lou Witt on the bridge and he wanted her to be his wife. They began quarreling once again. The creator once again became very angry and he took one chief and turned him into a mountain, a mountain that we now call Mount Hood. He took the other chief and turned him into another mountain, one we call Mount Adams today. And the two mountains continued to argue and from time to time shot fire at one another. And Lou Witt was heartbroken at all this. She told the creator that she too wanted to be a mountain. And the creator granted her her wish. She, the creator situated her mountain to be, to be between the other two. And she was allowed to keep her fire within her. It's the mountain we now know today as Mount St. Helens. Though she's asleep, she is aware. She is a reminder to the people to keep their hearts good, to treat people and the land with respect, or she will wake up and let us know how unhappy she and the creator have become again. Ancient mother, I hear you calling. Ancient mother, I hear your song. Ancient mother, I feel your laughter. Ancient mother, I taste your tears. This next story is called The Coming of Corn by the Cherokee people. <clears throat> Long ago, when the world was new, an old woman lived with her grandson in the shadow of the big mountain. They lived happily together until the boy was seven years old. Then his grandmother gave him his first bow and arrow. He went out for a hunt for game and brought back a small bird. Ah, said the grandmother, you are going to be a great hunter. We must have a feast. She went out to the small storehouse behind their cabin. 
She came back with dried corn in her basket and made a fine tasting soup with a small bird and the corn. From that point on, the boy hunted. Each day he brought back something and each day the grandmother took some corn from the storage house to make soup. One day though, the boy peeked into the storehouse. It was empty. But that evening when he returned with game to cook, she went out again and brought back a basket filled with dry corn. This is strange, the boy said to himself. I must find out what is happening. The next day, when he brought back his game, he waited until his grandmother had gone out for her basket of corn and followed her. He watched her go into the storehouse with the empty basket. He looked through the crack between the logs and saw a very strange thing. The storehouse was empty, but his grandmother was leaning over the basket. She rubbed her hand along the side of her body and dried corn poured out to fill the basket. Now the, the boy grew afraid. Perhaps she was a witch. He crept back into the house to wait. When his grandmother returned though, she saw the look on his face. Grandson, she said, you have followed me to the shed and saw what I did there. Yes, grandmother, the boy answered. The old woman shook her head sadly. Grandson, she said, then I must get ready to leave you. Now that you know my secret, I can no longer live with you as I did before. Before the sun rises tomorrow, I shall be dead. You must do as I tell you, and you will be able to feed yourself and the people when I have gone. The old woman looked very weary and the boy started to move toward her, but she motioned away. You cannot help now, grandson. Simply do as I tell you. When I have died, clear away a patch of ground on the south side of our lodge, that place where the sun shines longest and brightest. The earth there must be made completely bare. Drag my body over that ground seven times and then bury me in that earth. Keep the ground clear. If you do as I say, you shall see me again and you will be able to feed the people. Then the old woman grew silent and closed her eyes. Before the morning came, she was dead. Her grandson did as he was told. <clears throat> He cleared away the space in the south side of the cabin. It was hard work where there were trees and tangled vines, but at last the earth was bare. He dragged his grandmother's body and wherever a drop of her blood fell, a small plant grew. He kept the ground clear around the small plants and as they grew taller, it seemed he could hear his grandmother's voice whispering in the leaves. Time passed and the plants grew very tall. They grew Plants were very tall, and it seemed he could hear his very, as tall as a person. And as long tassels at the top of each plant reminded the boy of his grandmother's long hair. At last, ears of corn form on each plant, and his grandmother's promise had come true. Now, though she had gone from the earth as she had once been, she could be with the people forever as the plant to feed them. The forest is our brother. We will take care of him. The forest is our brother. We will take care of him. Hey, 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 This is a story from the Creek peoples. 
When the earth was first made, there was no light. People and animals couldn't see anything. Bear said that the sun is on the other side of the earth and the people there will not share it. So all the animals and the people got together and they decided that they would need to steal a piece of the sun on the other side of the earth. It was decided that Fox should be the first to try because Fox was good at stealing things. So Fox ran over to the other side of the earth, bit off a piece of the sun and scurried back with it to their side of the earth. But the sun was too hot and it burned his mouth. He had to drop his piece of the sun. And when it burned his mouth, it left a black ring around his mouth. And from that time forward, all foxes have a black ring around their mouths. Possum tried next. He scurried over to the other side of the earth, grabbed a piece of the sun with his hairy tail and began to scurry back to the other side. But the sun was too hot. It burnt all the hair on his bushy tail. He had to drop his piece of the sun. It burned all the hair of his tail off. And from that time forward, all possums have no hair on their tails. Grandmother spider tried next, but instead of carrying the piece of the sun herself, she first wove a bag out of her webbing, went over to the other side, grabbed a piece of the sun, put it in her bag of webbing and was able to bring it back to the other side. Now the only question was where to put it. Well, grandmother said, spider said, high up in the sky so everyone can see it. They all agreed, but no one could reach that high, high enough. Buzzard was the highest flyer and he said, I'll take it. Buzzard had a head full of bushy feathers and the sack with the sun was set on his head and the buzzard took off flying higher and higher and higher. Yet over time, the hot sun burnt a hole through grandmother spider's bag and the, the sun began to burn the feathers on buzzard's head. And when they were all burned away, it burned buzzard's skin red. Yet buzzard continued to fly higher. Finally, when it was high enough so everyone could see it, Buzzard placed it there and flew back down. He sacrificed his beautiful feathers and he has burned his skin. And from that time forward, all buzzards have no feathers on their heads and necks and their skin is burnt red. Because of Buzzard's sacrifice, he's honored and revered. And he's still the highest flyer and can often be seen circling the sun. The sun sometimes makes rays of sunlight and they look like strands of grandmother spider's web. It reminds us that we're all connected like the strands of that web. It reminds us of what grandmother spider and buzzard did 
for all of us. In an effort to fulfill and further the vision and mission of this congregation, we ask that our members and friends bring forth and share their many and varied gifts. With this, we will now take the offering using the Giblify app. extinguishes flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again. Today's benediction is by John Fire, Lame Deer. There is a pool of blood somewhere a place you came from. You will find this blood petrified into stone and it is red. It comes from a sacred spot common to all people where even enemies are turned into friends. Go in peace and enjoy your week.
Thank mm -hmm. you.